It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Every single climber we met, which was several, first of all, we're fans of the Enormal Cast, which was super cool. Every single one of them. And then we were in a super random campground, uh, still in the Black Hills, but nowhere near any climbing. And uh, Steph was in the parking lot. I was at the beach with Miles. And some guy saw the Enormal Cast sticker and stopped and asked Steph if she listened. So I don't know if he was like you know, going to use it as an opener to pick her up or whatever. Uh, but then he, uh, he, she's like, yeah, and he's right over there. And then they ended up talking for a whole lot, whole, whole like 20 minutes about climbing and the enormous cast and just oh, the, awesome. all the stuff. So, yeah, so it's alive and well out there on the, uh, great plains. Um, that little bump on the great plains that is, uh, that is the black hills. So, so you, um, saw, you saw a bunch. So you're on a road trip. You saw a bunch of enormous cast stickers on the road. Did you see any any Biden political signs? Um, no, no. <laughs> and uh, it was a bit demoralizing because we honestly we left Glenwood Springs, drove west actually because Glenwood Canyon was closed. Um, although we kind of had planned on that anyway, and then went up north up through Bags. Wyoming's where we crossed the border into Wyoming and uh through that zone northern Colorado Wyoming we saw a couple you know here and there like people had you know gone gone to great lengths with their Trumpism and then it was you know sort of slow but here and there across even through South Dakota now around Mount Rushmore was kind of like Trump crazy land but then once we got to Wisconsin dude like Wisconsin at least northern Wisconsin they're everywhere and between here and glenwood springs you know thir- about 1300 miles 1200 miles the way we went anyway i mean we saw 50 trump signs maybe maybe more and literally one biden sign between it's, here and there it's fucking scary dude and the thing is is this this person was surat like we were driving on this you know kind of you know, just a two lane ish highway on through Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, this person was like surrounded by Trump signs. So it was definitely like them, you know, having some sort of feud with their neighbors. So I was proud of them for that anyway. So, but yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It's there's some, I just saw that Michael Moore actually threw the warning flag up, which he was the guy who was like, yeah, you know, in 2016 was like, Clinton ain't winning this thing. You guys, I don't care what you guys think. And, uh, he's thrown it up again. It's like, People better get off their asses because the hinterlands in the in the swing states are definitely pretty Trumpy. We drove down to Grand Junction this weekend and saw just Trump signs everywhere, just like mm-hmm. crazy amounts of them. And we, but the, the more interesting thing that we saw was um, a QAnon hashtag across a road, like a an overpass across the highway across I seventy in a parachute, and I had no idea what it was, but somehow Jen knew recognize this hashtag Hmm. um so and we're also uh our current like um what is it our house of representatives seat is being is a contest between a QAnon supporter and a democrat right Right, the gal who has the open carry cafe yeah 
Yeah, yeah. No, we're yeah, we have not uh, win or lose. We've not heard the last of her. As soon as the oh, as I soon know. as the Republican Party gets off their ass and realizes she's she's uh, uh, she's the AOC of the right. Yeah, the AOC, the writer. What's the what's the wingnut lady from uh, Alaska? Oh, the Sarah Palin. Yeah, she's Colorado. like the new Sarah Palin. <laughs> so, um, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what QAnon has to do with climbing. Uh, I'm not a thousand percent sure what it is actually. Besides, I think it's like a bunch of teenagers that just are basically like punking. Um, these people or they're or like Russian operatives. I don't know. It's got to be one of those things. Like, well, the only I th- parallel I imagine I like between QAnon and climbing is that there's they've they're both becoming increasingly detached from reality and more <laughs> online based. <laughs> Thank God for for podcasting. I know people need we to be on the real. internet for us. But so more importantly. As we came across the country, we did actually stop and climb in the Black Hills of uh, South Dakota, the which I hadn't been to for real. Like, I'd driven past them, but I hadn't stopped in there since I was probably eight or nine when we did a great American road trip, family road trip, the other direction coming from Illinois. In a Winnebago um, or something? Yeah, exactly. In a rented rented. RV and we stopped and, you know, did the thing, did the, uh, the Rushmore thing, but literally, you know, like 35 years ago, I, you know, something to that effect, maybe even more, um, 38 years ago. So, uh, I had a lot of memories of the place, but obviously I wasn't a climber. So we stopped and we climbed at Spearfish, which is sort of satellite of the Black Hills, um, proper. And then we climbed one single pitch in Rushmore National Monument or whatever it is, which is, you know, right in the heart of the Black Hills. Um, we were with some friends that uh, didn't climb really or only climbed a little bit. So we just did a 5.7 and did some top roping on that with their kid. And um, anyway, but I did get a little taste of um, Spearfish uh, and the Black Hills and looked around now with the eyes of a climber. And it's it's astounding how much rock is there, actually. Nice. Um, you know, like if you've been to the... Uh, let's say it looks a lot like the, uh, the South Platte in Colorado, you know, these sort of domes and ridges up on the top of these hills. But I mean, clearly like a bunch of rock probably hasn't even really been touched in there. Anyway, it was pretty impressive. And then the stone in, in Spearfish was sick, like amazing limestone, a lot like, uh, climbing over by Lander is what I felt like. Um, just pocketed, cool, vertical, a lot of vertical, slightly overhanging or roofs, um, limestone. Sport climbs. Yeah, all sport climbing. Yeah, nice. And uh, the thing that I wanted to kind of get to was that while we were there, this this guy, this kid, I call everyone who climbs basically kids. Sorry. Um, he was probably like 30. But anyhow, um, once we started talking about the, the Norma cast, he kind of wanted a, a sort of professional opinion. Um, and his question was like why the Black Hills area and why that whole zone isn't sort of a bigger deal or more a popular or more kind of um you know touted as a great climbing place than it is because he's right in some ways like it's there's you know there's tons of sport climbing because there's victoria canyon i think it's called there's spearfish um there's sport climbing in in the black hills but then there's like the super traditional uh needles are there and a lot of black hills climbing is really traditional there's cracks there's all this sort of stuff and I mean, it really is sort of a mecca 
And we didn't talk too long about it, but I kind of had my ideas. But if he asked you that question, why, as you know, the, uh, an, an editor rocking ice, and I would say, what about the thimble? The, the thimble. Yeah, right. I mean that's like the only thing I know about the area. So. Oh, really? I mean, I know. I I mean, I know some of the history of like the, the you know the climbing on the towers and the and the Black Hills and stuff. You, like you that. never published anything at Rock and Ice when you were there no, about did. Black Hills climbing. We did. It was you know so long enough ago that I don't remember much right. about what what it was we did. But um, yeah, why is that not on the destination map? It's probably just like proximity to boulder is just it's outside the the circle of you know the the deciders who live in boulder get to make these decisions and i think it's just <laughs> far, far enough outside that perimeter that it's it's they've you know they shouldn't complain though they should be happy that it's mm. not on, i totally yeah it's like I kind of, I think he was a little ambivalent in that because that's what I said. I'm like, well, you know, let's just keep it that way. You guys have it like good. He, this guy grew up in Rapid City, but wasn't living there anymore. When Rapid City is right outside of, of uh, Spearfish Canyon, um, literally like Spearfish Canyon starts in the town. And uh, yeah, that's what I said. I was like, this is not something to complain about, certainly. But, um, but at the same time, you know, I think he, he, everyone has that like dichotomy of like wanting their home area to sort of remain you know free of like tons of visitors or the crowd quote unquote but you also want recognition for your efforts or the efforts of the people who have been putting up the roots and i think every you know climbing has always been this like balancing act between the two especially with sport climbing like these guys have bolted you know hundreds and hundreds and maybe into the thousands of roots in spearfish at this point you know that's a lot of work to just keep it completely uh, off the radar just for yourselves, you know, I think sport There's, climbing has that feel of like, this is for everybody and we want people to come. Plus, you know, it is limestone and it's a lot of it's bullet, but limestone benefits from people at least climbing on it a bit. There is a mentality of like this inferiority complex that I've noticed with a lot of crags that are super worthy, you know, great places, but aren't on the within that um they haven't been ordained by the boulderites as being some kind of mega destination and um i i notice that that inferiority complex sort of increases the further east you go not everywhere of course but it, it definitely you know i'm from the northeast and um that new england mentality of you know we our shit is just as good as everywhere else is, but we don't get credit for it is kind of like a badge of honor that um, people seem to have in a lot of places like the Dakotas and the Northeast and probably parts of the Southeast as well. Yeah. And I kind of explained to him too, that uh, for one thing, like you just said, the thimble, right. And uh, I think a lot of people who haven't been from that area think that the black hills anyway not including spearfish but the black hills are this real traditional like one bolt between you and the summit kind of climbing and that's not ever going to bring the crowds now right. that's not actually an accurate picture of what's there but that's you know the pr of the place has that you know and then it's also just like kind of known for that junky ass tourism you know it's got the freaking uh you know, the, the faces on the hill that are Mount Rushmore and that kind of thing. Just, I, I think it generally, even climbing 
within proximity of that. And there's actually climbing on that exact mountain. That's quite good. I mean, Mount Rushmore on the backside. But, you know, it's like we just don't like to be in proximity to that stuff as climbers. We definitely tend to stay away from the kind of Disneyland bullshit tourism. And then they have the Sturgis problem, you know, and, you know, this whole Harley kind of mentality that I think climbers kind of stay away from as well. And, you know, Sturgis only happens. The guy pointed that out. He's like, yeah, it's only a couple of weeks a year. But, you know, while we were there, which is not during the actual festival, I mean, the place is still jam packed with like super loud Harleys. And so you know that the drawback of it is it's mostly roadside climbing and when i say roadside i mean you're you're within earshot of the road for sure even if you hike for a while especially because there's like 8000 harleys driving around right. so there is some detracting qualities to it all of which i'm sure can be mitigated by hiking further or going to different areas but those are just the the pr images that we have right or wrong you know and i think spearfish is just I don't know why that's not on the map because it's brilliant, fun, super accessible, great rock sport climbing, you know, and, and tons of it. Um, but even those guys, when they developed it, because I started reading the guidebook, um, had to keep it secret because of this whole challenge from across the way at the time that you can't bolt anything. Mm -hmm. And they literally like snuck around for years and uh, kept it secret and parked in different places so no one knew they were back there. And they even like bolted decoy cliffs that they told people about that sucked just so people would go and be like, oh, this place sucks anyway. Um, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You have too many bolts if you're bolting decoy cliffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think people climb on them now. They've been like cleaned up and retro bolted, and um, but they had to do that. And so you're just coming from this area where secrecy and kind of like don't talk about your climbing was the norm, and now it's uh, it's a place where where you know it's kind of gotten it's like a flyover, a climbing I've area. I've never been in a lot to uh, Mount Rushmore. But my impression of it is it's the craziest fucking thing that anyone could have ever come up with. It's like, yeah. Is it is it is it as insane in person as I'm imagining? It's, it's like I mean, I'm not like a super Yeah, I mean it's insane and it's actually very impressive. Like the thing the object itself and to think that it's that big and it was carved from from I mean some of the most bullet granite you've ever felt like a, it's not sandstone you know they they fucking had to blow blow it to pieces to get it there um and as i remember as a kid it was amazing right but then now i'm like too like caught up in like the the you know the fact that the entire black hills is is one you know massacre and treaty broken after another and then that mountain was sacred and they just were like fuck it we're gonna blast this thing in it anyway and you know, so it's like you can look at it a bunch of ways. It's this incredible engineering feat. It is actually really cool looking. And then it's also this like travesty of, you know, literally like rewriting history around um, what's gone on in the Black Hills, you know. And it's like here's these four, you know, great American white dudes, you know, blown into this mountain that was uh, <laughs> that belonged to Native Americans and was actually sacred. So it's like, you know, it's really troublesome. But when you fucking see it. You're like, holy shit, that thing is pretty wild. <laughs> I mean, there's another uh, there's another parallel universe where those faces could have ended up on like El Cap or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, they were, they were going to freaking uh, put El Cap underwater at one point. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, Valley? it was per there was a dam proposed. Oh, yeah. that's right. 
Yeah, the Hetch Hetchy thing was like the compromise. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Th- there's there's multiple alternate universes where it also says like there's a like a you know one thousand foot tall North Face banner on it as well. So you know wh- all things have happened in the alternate in the uh, multiverse theory. Yeah, I think on Earth too, the Black Hills would have been the valley, and the valley would have been underwater. And it would have been famous and they wouldn't have right. had this problem of uh, notoriety. Yeah. So, you know, that that would have, I mean, careful what you wish for. So, but you're right about the notoriety thing. I think it's, you know, anybody who's an avid climber, um, the other thing is like seasonally, it's not super clear where it fits into, um, you know, it's like you go south when it's cold, you go north when it's hot. And like, you know, when do you go east? to mm. go that far east to go climbing it's a and and you know and then it's another it's like kind of a um island you know out there because obviously devil's tower is right there but you know it's a ways east from the rockies but it's also like you know quite a ways west from you know the the river basins the red river gorge and all the sandstone in the south so it's it's out there by itself in a lot of ways it's it's kind of a micronesia of climbing crags yeah but i i definitely am you know we're with with the normal baby normal child um and some other friends of ours who aren't really climbers and we managed to get some pitches in but um i definitely you know it's worth going back to and And you took uh, your rig out yeah we took the rig out yeah yeah the 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 premier voyage of the new uh trailer that i built and it didn't fall Pretty apart. From scrap. It did not fall apart. It actually performed super well, even though it's not even done. I just made sure it was done enough. And uh, yeah, pulled great. No problems. Performed well. The solar worked good. The wiring all worked good. Yeah. No, it's up and running. Do yeah, you have a name for it yet? Stoked on that. Not, no, not really. It's, it's going to have to like happen. A social media contest for that on. You can yeah, right. Everybody sticker. give me 10 bucks and you can put your <laughs> name into the hat. No, it's, you know, it was an aloha originally it's a 72 aloha so i don't know if we'll keep that or i don't know right now we've been just calling it the trailer so or the camper so yeah which is boring so we'll see what happens but that was out there too nice Our guests today are Jordan Cannon and Mark Hudon. The four of us sat outside late one night, ate an entire pot of slow-cooked beef parts, and talked about climbing in their wonderful new film, Free As Can Be, which gets our vote for the best story in climbing right now. Check out our show notes on runoutpodcast.com for more details about the film, and enjoy our conversation with Jordan and Mark. This is terrible. No one in the United States would have been climbing 513 longer than I Okay, have. that's what I was trying yeah, to Which, get that's at. terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I, I, was, I was the second person to climb 513 in the United States in 1979. Yeah. So basically, you know, if, I mean, it, and it's a completely created little statistic. Oh, you should run with it, though. Well, yeah, yeah, well I mean, why brilliant. not? I'm old. I don't have much time left. <laughs> yeah, you um, got to grasp at the straws that are left, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, this no, I is, if this that. is low-hanging fruit, right. I mean, I'm a, low, I'm a sort of a low-hanging guy. But uh, You could figure out a way to work Everest into this somehow, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So, so, like, no American climber has been climbing 513 if, you know, when I do Shibumi, 
no American climber will have been climbing 513 longer than me, which is just completely ridiculous. So what? So let's say you send Shibumi tomorrow. What's your what? How many years is that? Forty-one years. Wow. Yeah. And so what was the 513 you climbed? Uh, 41 Phoenix, years ago. Phoenix. Phoenix in 1979. Yeah. I mean, you know, which is just, again, crazy. Waistband EBs and hexes. Was that the only 513 yes. in Yosemite or in the world at that time? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, I don't really know in the world. It was certainly one of the first. Yeah. But it was certainly the only one in Yosemite. Whenever yeah. I hear people talk about it, they make it sound like it was the first 513 in the world. I yeah. But I don't know if that's actually that's true. just Americans talking. It was, yeah, yeah. This, yeah it's, maybe it's the first one in America. I oh, guaranteed it was first America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wait, when uh, when that... like somebody somebody that climbed at Stony Point was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> there was this top rope. Yeah. That was behind the one thing that was like for sure five thirteen before that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so just correct me if I'm wrong, but Jardine did that. Ray Jardine did that first. Yes. Now when he first sent that, I had heard that he had. Almost stunned it as a multi pitch where he like placed a piece of gear and took and then yeah, continued and climbing. I've, I only heard that story recently. Okay. Um what we heard back then and what, you know, was completely brand new and weird and strange and all that was that he worked it just like we would work a red point you know, red pointing a crack today. Mm-hmm. Place the gear, fall, work it, continue on, wrap off, pull the gear. Next day, place the gear, work it, fall, until finally he placed all the gear and, and you know, truly red-pointed to the top. So he did do, he did do it as a red point as we now understand it. But I, as far I guess, as I, I know. think the confusion might be that he was, and cr- again, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know what I'm talking about, but that he... That's our bread and butter. Yeah, that's kind of that's the theme of our show. Um, was, Say shit, you have no idea what you're talking about. People, he he said Publish. he freed the route, meaning he did all the moves free, but he didn't actually link them as as a quote unquote red point. So I think that maybe is the historical. Um, I've heard a lot of different stories about Jardine on the Phoenix, but I think the one that everybody accepts is that. Whether he top roped it or let it, he did the first free ascent. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with his friends, you know. Unfortunately, no one's ever really asked asked Ray. Well, he won't huh. talk. Yeah, yeah, which is which is. I mean, because I've actually nice I've actually guy. been in touch with him. Yeah. To try to get him on the Enorma cast. Yeah. He's got this. Uh, you know, he became the the Superlight Trail hiker yeah, dude. Yeah. And he's got this website uh, that it looks like a full on nineteen you know ninety two website like OG. And it's got an actual old school forum like you used to see, right? Mm-hmm. And it's active enough that I put up, I posted on there, hey, you know, Mr. Jardine or whatever, you know, I do this thing, and I'm cast ball with my little pitch. And uh, he was like, no, thank you. I don't like to talk about that part of my life. Yeah. Oh, end of end of end of communication with Ray Jardine. Yeah. Even though on the website there's a page that's an homage to his climbing. Yeah. Um. But he's also he's also born again in, or some some oh, version of that as well. Yeah. So he seems to have put it behind him. So yeah, I don't think he'd talk or at least. I only yeah. had heard your story, Andrew, just in the last year. Okay. It, it had been my understanding that he placed the gear and climbed to the top, Got eventually. It. You know, like, and I think the thing was, was that he worked on it for 30 days, you know, and eventually red pointed, red pointed it in the sense that we know now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and 
I mean, but it was so it was so weird and alien and well, and they that, must have slandered the hell out of oh, it too. Yeah. So oh, yeah. who oh, knows yeah. what like terrible. yeah, what's yeah. slander and what's not? You yeah. know, yeah. There there was originally supposed to be a scene in uh, in the film about the phoenix, which they go into a little bit in Mark's history. And yeah, Sam tried to contact him as well. Uh, to be a part of the film and talk about it, but he said Sam, yeah, Sam had no success. So, Sam, the filmmaker, yeah, Sam Crossley, people out there, yeah, right. And what's the name of the film? Free as can be, which Free as can be, which is yeah, Mark, it Mark was, and Max's term. When I wrote a, I wrote an article for uh, Mountain Magazine that was named Long Hard and Free, and it was discussing. You know, Astro Man, Roots in the Black, just this sort of this this moving towards climbing longer routes, free climbing longer routes. Half Dome had just been done, you know, free. Uh, Max and I had just gone up on on the South A to free it. And in in writing about the South A, Max and I, I was I was climbing out the roof on the the South A headwall, and. Uh, I got about halfway out it, and there's one point where we thought you had to do this foot dangling hand traverse, you know, like in the middle of the lip, in the middle of the roof of the of the salte, which would have been just crazy. And uh, and I started out it, and then I jumped down, and I went, I went, Max, give, send me the aid slings. I said, free as can be, you know, no no sense in getting crazy about it. And and so that's where the actual free as can be thing came came up to be. And it was written in that article? And it was written in that article, okay. Long, Hard, and Free in Mountain. And then... Was that before or after States of the Art? That was after. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's awesome because I had written an article for Playboy magazine called Long, Hard, and Free as well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> known part of my I'm writing sure. career. <laughs> <laughs> can, is that is there we, a, hand, a foot dangling hand traverse? In yes, there was actually. Yeah, it's, it's a very similar story. Ours. Yeah. Think things were dangling. Yeah, we have. Uh, there's, there's a lot of common history that we yeah. have here. Yeah. yeah, a lot of dangling. Yeah. Freeze can be as relatable to all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, have you guys gotten good reception from the film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are. Really... Yeah. Everybody comes up to Mark at the crag and says, "Mark, we loved your movie." <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I always go, "Oh, hey, that's Jordan right over there." <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, whatever." I want to talk to Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty fun. No, people like it. You know, they like it that it's. That it was a great climbing movie that sort of wasn't about climbing. Mm. You know, it wasn't about two guys being badass and, you know, pulling down crazy shit. It was just two guys, you know, very good friends supporting each other on, on their dreams to do different things. You know, and then it, it had a little bit of more, I don't know what the word is, but just more impact because of my history on it. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I mean, it really, really, you know, maybe Jordan, you know, says, oh, yeah, we saw your movie, meaning me. But it's, I mean, it's quite a thing that he spent all this time supporting me to do this climb. You know, I mean, it was, it was a giant effort. It was crazy. I, well, couldn't, I couldn't even have conceived doing it that way. You, you, you've um, kind of uh, positioned yourself as being um, a partner, a partner climber. In a way, yeah. like you, you've had famous partnerships in your career. Uh -huh. We were kind of talking about that earlier at dinner tonight. But 
it's a unique, I guess, role to be in, uh, and but a very cool one as well because it's it's about that's what everyone's experience is in climbing, or so many of us have this experience of being with one person who we seem to have a lot of success with, or you know, do a, get a bunch done, and you know that's a that, that's an interesting uh, aspect, not just of the climbing world, but especially maybe trad climbing and big wall climbing. It's just especially salient. Yeah. And what do you think is so important about that? I mean, you've had, you know, you've had sort of this bookend experience with it where you've had you and Max and then now you and, and Jordan. And so it's like, you know, we, we were kind of trying to discuss it earlier. So let's do it on tape about what that, you know, go-to partnership kind of setup seems to do for climbing because, you know, we, we, we were mentioning a, mountain project thread that talked about sort of the great duos in history and you were in there sort of twice mentioned yeah, twice yeah. on on both ends of it yeah and, uh, um it's just a, and a lot of stories go around that you know even in mountaineering and stuff about these partnerships so what do you think it brings to uh the success or or the enjoyment of of climbing you know max and i we just had the same level of dedication we both wanted to do it you know, we we certainly had a friendly competition going. You know, I always wanted to do a pitch a little bit more relaxed than he did. And, you know, same thing. It was definitely a, you know, the competition rises all boats. But it's just like, it's like, okay, I'm up here. I'm trying my best. If I can't do it, I know Max is like psyched and he wants to fight it out and he's ready to go. And then if he can't do it, well, then we'll both go, okay, where can we bivy? Where can we rest? And where can we get back to this tomorrow? We're both sort of dedicated and ready to suffer and get up there. And so just knowing that you're, you're heading out on these things, knowing that someone you know, you're not leading the pack. You're you're in a team, and there's if you can't do it, someone else is going to forge ahead. So that's it's sort of it's a little bit calming. It's a little bit relaxing. You know, you've got options, and it isn't just like if I can't do this pitch, we're heading down. You know, uh, and then it ends up being the same thing with Jordan. I mean. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm an old guy. I'm a, I'm still a pretty good climber. You know, I'm nowhere near as good a climber as Jordan is, but we go up on a route and, and, you know, he says, okay, well, this is the crux 513A or whatever the heck. That's obviously his pitch. And it's like, well, can you lead this? Can you lead that? Can you do this? And it's like, yeah, 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 I can do that. You know, and so it's even, even still the partnership thing uh, that we still play on. I mean, we, we had just a killer season uh, last year in the Hulk, and we would just march in, and we'd have a route all planned, and we'd just march up this route, and it was just Jordan's relaxed because he knows that I'm really going to put out to get up my pitch, and then I'm relaxed because I know Jordan's going to get up his pitch. Well, it seems like today, I mean, it's easy to find somebody to climb with, right? It's easy to find a belay, especially uh, in a sport climbing or cragging scenario. But then the climbing is pretty individual. You know, you might climb with some random person and like they have their project, you have your project. You're not really sharing the climbing experience together other than just belaying. And so, but when you're climbing a multi-pitch route, it, I think having a good partnership makes all the difference because, you know, you're there with somebody who's just as psyched as you to be there, not just somebody that you talked into you know, coming to support you on the route that you want to do because you couldn't actually find somebody. So, 
yeah, I feel like partnerships are kind of undervalued these days where it's more focused. seems like there's a lot of focus on just the personal things that everybody wants to climb. And in that way, climbing can become really selfish. But I think, um, and you know, you and can... it's interesting too, out like the style of El Cap free climbing is uh, definitely more individualized where you can wrap in from the top and just mini traction, the cruxes and... Totally. And then you like have a lot of people do doing time. subby ascents, you know, where, and I've done that a lot where you lead the whole route and have somebody belay you. But it's, it's always so much more fun to climb a multi-pitch route with somebody who has a similar level of experience or, you know, your strengths and weaknesses balance each other out and you can kind of just play off of, play off of each other's, uh, psych. And then it just makes the whole experience so much more fun. Um, to me too, you know, like they're in this movie and they're talking about, Oh, well, Mark did this and Mark did that and Mark did this. And like, they're going and I'm going, no, Mark and Max did that. Mark and Max did that. Mark and Max did that. I even sent Max a text, you know, it's like, no, 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 Max. I mean, you're there. You were, you were there. You, you know, like there's no way you can separate me out of it because it was Mark and Max. And, and Max, you know, he, he understands how it's working. I mean, here I am climbing and he still has a business and all that. And he goes, no, you're the guy charging. So that's, that's fine. He goes, I know I was there in your heart and it, and just, you know, I, I always joke that when Jordan comes to visit me in the old folks home, you know, we're not going to remember that what the route was rated. We might not even remember the name, but we're going to remember, yeah, I remember that time we were on the Hulk and we did that route and it was so fun and we had a great sunrise. And, you know, so that's the, you know, with Max, I mean, you know, I mean, Max is one of my best friends ever. I just, I mean, I grew up with Max, you know, he and I climbed El Cap nine times together. And I mean, he was 18 years old when we first climbed El Cap. I was 20. And now, heck, the guy just turned 62, you know, so it's, I've known that guy my whole life. And so it's really, I can't separate my climbing without Max, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's, certainly I had my whole sport climbing career, which is a different thing, but the, the stuff that really, really, the stuff that I'm going to remember was those times, you know, I mean, hiking into the diamond, wrapping down into the black Canyon, you know, just going up on on the south a in 79 not knowing what the hell was going to happen uh and it seems like we meet so many people you know people who tell me they want to do big things in yosemite or long routes elsewhere that are like yeah they just struggle finding partners and that seems to be relatable to a lot of people i had a long a hard time finding partners um when i first started climbing and so I mean, it seems like you're super lucky if you're able to find a partner like Max for you or, you know, you for me, example, for example. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to help other people try and find that for themselves. Yeah, this is an interesting thing that you, there's no right answer to There's no guidebook you can read to how to find partners properly. And yeah. You kind of have to just, you know, put your feet in the water and see what you get at. I mean, it's honestly like dating, right? I, yeah. I say it's almost harder to find a good climbing partner than it is to find a romantic partner, it seems. And yeah. you found both. <laughs> Not quite. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark's robbed the proverbial cradle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. It's like the old. Sure. sure. This is like a borderline illegal partnership. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. the uh, what's the age difference again? I know we've been through this, but. It's 39 and a half years. Exactly. Okay. We're like both exactly. born on the same day. 
What? Oh, wow. Well, he was born March. Well, six months apart. Hence March 2nd, I was Okay. Oh, I got you. Yeah, it's hilarious climbing stuff with Jordan. I mean, you know, specifically on, on, on Freerider, where I was, you know, free climbing the the Enduro corner, and I'm going up this, and I'm going, dang, I climbed this freaking thing, you know, like 40 years ago. You know, I climbed it, you know, 15 years before Jordan was born. Yeah. You know? It's Dude, like, it's, it's trippy to climb with Mark and have those realizations, you know? I mean, he's old enough to be my dad, but even with my dad, I've never, like, thought of anything like that. Like, just the idea of doing anything again for the second time, like, with a 40-year separation just seems crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when I haven't even lived 40 years, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it was really, really crazy, too, because I was going up on that pitch, and I, and I, and I, I remembered holds on that pitch, you know, I remembered there was this stem outlet outright that you could, there was a good edge out there and the edge was still there and stuff. And really? Was, yeah. Oh yeah. It was just like your first time back. Uh, I, well, I had been back a few years right. before, right. so I'd seen it again, but right. still it didn't, it was really, really weird. It didn't right. seem like distant. That huh. doesn't make sense. Cause you've been on Shibumi like six times and you still forget the beta. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that may that be true, like but I week. still remember certain holds. <laughs> so, is that part of the partnership? Is you're the beta repository? Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You keep it there and yeah. yell it at him. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's actually pretty common, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's climbing good. relationships. It's That's good. funny. There's always the the beta person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? All it. right. And the other one's just like, I can't remember beta. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way I am. It's like, dude, you well, remember I, your phone number? Like, yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Jordan. We would we were like doing little recon missions and stuff, and so Jordan would go up and and like I'd I'd you know like the pitch, pitch three. Uh, well, not not only, not just pitch three, but excuse me, the, the pitch up to the ear. Uh, and 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 then Jordan would I'd be getting ready, and Jordan would just give me like seven cams, and I go what seven cams? I mean, this pitch is like. 170 feet long. He goes, well, that's what you used last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I have I have the whole free rider pitch by pitch, you know, every piece I place in order. And, like, I can yeah. climb it like that every single yeah. time. And I just go, and give me a freaking Mark got break. mad at me once where I gave him all this gear. And it was, like, early in the morning. And he wasn't, you know, climbing. A, you know, he hadn't gotten warmed up to be able to climb the way he would normally climb. And so he felt like wanting to place more gear. And then he didn't have any gear, and he was, like, all pissed at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, it's like, you just climb it like you did last time. What's well, the and that's just, that's the difference between him. Jordan's, Jordan is wonderful to watch climbing. I mean, Jordan will go up a route, fall, get to the top, lower down, working, brushing, ticking, you know, work, brush, tick his way down the route. Thanks to Andrew's sport climbing book. And then, and then, yeah. wasn't it that Plug book, that by the way? There. We don't need to go into that. <laughs> okay. And disaster. then, and then he'll pull the rope 20 minutes late and then in rest 20 minutes and he'll go up and he'll do the, he'll climb it exactly like he worked, you know, I mean, exactly. And, and me, Jordan was mentioning the third pitch of the, of the Salafé, which is, a little bit reachy for me, a little bit, a little bit hard, and so we went there the day before we actually went off on the route, just so I could wire out that pitch, and so 
I was doing it and doing it and I'm getting better and better and better and I'm feeling really good. And Jordan's going, you use different feet every single time. And I'm going, yeah, but I know, but I, I, I'm getting a feeling for it, you know, like I can feel it now. And so, so I don't need the same feet, but I'm getting that feeling that yeah. I reach the hold, I twist this way, I reach up there, I move. The, you climb very Euro. All the exact about position of my feet doesn't <laughs> matter. Whereas Jordan, <laughs> yeah. He really does. I mean, it's all about how you feel and if you're able to climb intuitively. Really. Yeah, yeah. With a little bit of analytical beta. Well, so there. no, it's definitely the advantage, you know, to, to uh, you know, figuring out that beta and stuff. And that's something I've learned from him as far as climbing too. Is just try to be a little bit more, less intuitive, and try to just work these things and be a little bit more exact. Have you read uh, Andrew's book? Because that's uh, all you know, in I, there. I, I haven't, but I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it on Amazon. Well, you know, we're, we're, you you jest at my at my failed uh, book project, but um, not anymore. The whole no, not nation's no, gonna go buy it from tomorrow. It. No, it's a good book. I learned from it. I'm serious. I, it won an award in its first year, and uh, that's about all it's. Done. It's gonna be trending tomorrow. The Bay um, of Pigs Award. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was gonna say though is that there's. Uh, I'm just like thinking about the interesting difference in climbing style about people who are like beta technicians and yeah. engineers about routes and. To have if one little thing goes wrong you see so many strong people who are like if they forget to do the little the exact right foot they're just like oh i'm i give up take yeah and they just yeah. sit on the rope right they and can't then, switch into intuitive kind of like yeah yeah go for broke figured out mode exactly yeah. and that well, is such an important skill to have to, totally. it's important to have both i think totally. to, to be able to shift between those two mind states and go you know sometimes things go wrong and you just sometimes you just need to climb like a gorilla and like mm -hmm. do whatever feels right and well it comes i mean because i sort of came out of your background yeah uh not as deeply as you were in it but you know the trad climbing into sport climbing and having to kind of readjust i mean andrew still makes fun of my sort of tratty tendencies that i still have mm -hmm. because the intuitive thing is you know, it's part of the long route thing. It's part of trying to onsite every pitch. Yes, yes, yes. And so, totally. Mark yeah, does that all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so it's like, and you, it's hard. I mean, as long as you've been doing it, I was doing it half as long, and it's still hard to just, you know, shake off some of those those yeah. tendencies because. Okay, so yeah. here's an interesting thing. When I started climbing, El Cap had not right. been climbed in a day. Okay, so when I started climbing, El Cap had not been free climbed. And so that happened in my climbing career. And then years and years later, you know, I climbed the nose in a day. So when Jordan was born, Astro Man had already been had been free climbed 15 years before. Yeah. You and know? Lynn Hill had free climbed the nose in a day. Right. And then the nose had the El Cap had been free climbed in a day numerous times before Jordan was born. No, so, I was born in 94. Okay. Not numerous times then. Once. But yeah. Yeah. By Lynn. Okay. Now here's, okay. So Max invented uh, tick marks. On the Phoenix. Ah, that's the guy no we have one, to blame. No one had ever, and we called him Chalk Dots, is all we called it. And we chalk used to say, dots. yeah, yeah, no. Put, put a Chalk Dot on that. Yeah, because that's what we used to do. And so Max invented it on Phoenix. I remember that. And so, like, 
you know, like I was there. I didn't do it, but I had, you know, I was there the day the tick marks were invented. So that's why it's not like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so awesome. Someone's, awesome. yeah, I'm going to get all sorts of shit about, no, you did not. Uh, but, but so like, so there again, chalk tick marks did not exist when right, I started right, right. climbing. But right. when Jordan was born, it was like de rigueur. It was yeah. the standard thing. So sure. it was well, just, just a, a type of climbing. Yeah, that that was being invented, that was more common for your generation, but brand new for mine. Well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I mean, you've been climbing longer than I've been alive, yeah. but in the time that we've spent climbing together, mm-hmm. I feel like I've taught you more than about climbing. Oh, absolutely. Where people probably assume the other way around, yeah, no, given no, no. that you, oh, you're no. older and been climbing longer, yep. that you'd be teaching me a lot mm-hmm. more. Which, if we were aid climbing more or wall climbing, it would that would 100 percent be the case, right? But yeah, we joke that I teach. So, like, Mark. we don't use hip belays anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we have a Greek. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I can share a few things. Like when Mark and I first started climbing together, he was still climbing with a shoulder sling, and I was like, "Dude, no, racking on the harness, way to go!" <laughs> like he wouldn't take his shoes off at the belay, and I was like. How are you going to climb like that? Like your feet are going to get super tired, yeah. and just so just little little things like yeah. that. You know, he had never considered rappelling El Cap to work the crux pitch for yeah. the free rider. You yeah. know, yeah. so a lot of modern. You see, Mark, I would never consider that either. Still, <laughs> it's yeah, oh, it's, so, it's so, pretty so, wild. So, so Mark, oh, on, on, on the scale of game changing uh, tips that Jordan has taught you, what's the where, where does uh, taking your shoes off of the boy rank with <laughs> um, wrapping down El Cap to work the crux? Uh, uh, shoes, take it. Yeah, taking your shoes off uh, that makes much more of a difference. Why? Well, when you had okay, to like, Mark, spend... you've been wearing the same shoes for like the last ten years before you met me, and now you have like ten pairs, and you like you're yeah. all, well. That's you're just all the thing. Modern in, in now. 1979, like it was like an hour to lace them up. Yeah. Like it was like putting those old pugilist boxer, you know, boots on <laughs> yeah. that go all the way up right. your, your calf. Right. Like the sun's so going to be on the wall yeah. in 45 minutes. Better start lacing so up. So you wouldn't take them off at the belay because there's yeah. too many laces. I yeah. mean, when we started climbing together, Mark had clothes that were older than the amount of time I've been climbing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now he's all modern. He's got like Some a new bibler or uh, <laughs> what the uh, the like Berghaus bibs or something like <laughs> no, that. Yeah, sure. You're, like, running. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. So the point is, uh, Mar- I teach Mark about modern climbing, and he teaches me about life. Yeah. That's yeah. how mm-hmm. we balance out. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mark's That's my a- life, my life mentor. I'm his climbing mentor. What, so what? So same question. What's the life beta that Mark has taught you? That's that's basically equal with uh, yeah taking your shoes off at the bar. I mean basically just don't give a fuck about anything really <laughs> no not about anything particularly you need that advice people... I, I sense yeah I do you need to hear that particularly what people think yeah I'm yeah. I I have a tendency to be very you know in my own head and ruminate on things and you know worry about uh, other people and you know general insecurity and Mark kind of portrays a lot of you know self-confidence and i don't know carefree attitude towards life i think that is very helpful for me so don't hold on to the reins too tightly yeah yeah i mean if you look in his van he has all these kind of like zen buddhist like little printouts uh just sayings little sayings that um you know like the you know you have no control stuff like that yeah so what, what are your sayings and your van say? 
<laughs> you suck. <laughs> you suck. Try you harder. Try piece harder. Of piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> well, let me ask you. Oh, you had something. Yeah, I was. I was curious, Mark, about the film because it didn't. Exp- I, I don't think it explained this, but why? Why did you try for the Teflon corner as opposed to the Boulder problem? Um. Well, the boulder problem, boulder, boulderer, I'm not a boulderer. So it just seemed it just seemed way convoluted. Did it seem that way or did you try it? I, I had him it try it. They didn't uh they didn't show that in the film. Yeah. Okay. Um it didn't go very well. Probably <laughs> just saying. I don't know. It's. I mean, I'm short. And it's, Did you try I, taking your shoes off before? Yeah. <laughs> to rest have, your feet before I have stumpy to legs, and it would, it's hard to do that kick, boy. Yeah. That thing's a mile away. It just seemed like the tra- like the Teflon corner was okay. Stemming, trad climbing. It seemed more tratty. It just seemed more. Oh, and you're pretty good at stemming too. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and it and I just got it in my mind that that's what I should do. Right. Um. I mean, I may, you know, I'm not going to say that I could do the bowler prom if I wanted to. That's, that's quite a stretch, but literally, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, well, it's a bummer cause it changed. Yeah, bro. Yeah. You yeah it used to there. like the karate kick wasn't the crux. It wasn't the thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't the crux. I mean, the thing was still hard, but it wasn't Yeah, that it was over. And then you had to sort of do a little Jimmy stem yeah. over to there, but without the karate kick, I think I yeah. could, I could do it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's what I mean. But, so it's a bummer yeah. that it broke. So, you know. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the first time I climbed the free rider, I felt the same way. I looked at the bowler problem and I was like, no way. I can't touch that. Yeah. I don't know how to crimp V7 or whatever. Yeah. But I kind of like how in the film, you know, it parallels the, the generational difference between the two of us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Take that off. <laughs> Is that not a good look? We're on radio. No, it doesn't you look matter. Like a cone. <laughs> <laughs> we're on what <laughs> oh no oh, yeah, see that shows my age exactly <laughs> um, this is gonna be sent out all over all the telegraphs yeah <laughs> but i think the fact that you try the teflon which you know is more traditional yeah. style you know stemming um versus me on the boulder problem kind of showcases the 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 new age versus yeah. the old school yeah a little yeah. bit but hang on side note how many how many routes do you, can you think of where at the hardest part there's two options? You know what two, I mean? Two completely like, valid options. Like I, I find that to be so amazing about the free rider. It's like, you know, how is it that there's not like a five ten variation? You know, mm-hmm. it, I think I find it very interesting that there's two variations to the hardest bit of the route, and they're both around the same grade but completely different styles. Like that doesn't happen in, in climbing very often. That's why it's the best route in the world. Yeah. If you took all those pitons out of the middle, I know. Yeah, that'd probably be another one. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Max tra- and I when were... we were up there and Mark was not sending the Teflon, I was getting all futuristic trying to find like <laughs> yeah. some way that he could free climb yeah. with a major asterisk. I was like looking about climbing up and right and then down and I don't know. We when Max and creative. I were up there in 79, we actually... We we looked over at the Teflon and we thought, wow, maybe you couldn't climb that section, but there would only be like three or four aid moves, you know, through the actual Teflon. Right. But but then you know it was you really had to do the route back then. You had to stick to what the established aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even bolting the boulder problem would have been just we would have been. It would have been oh, run yeah. out of the valley. Oh, yeah, oh, pitchforks. Yeah. Yeah. Pitchforks. Yeah. 
Well, the don't Huber brothers st- were really the people yeah. who, who pioneered that idea, yeah. I think, of mm-hmm. just going wherever you want, but then calling like the Zodiac. Yeah, the Zodiac, right. The free Deviating Zodiac, for free right. variations to the aid route. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, and, well, don't and get now me that's started standard. on the South Day, climbing the South Day free, but using the monsters. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. It's a South Day light. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, 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 totally. Anyway, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let me ask you a couple more questions. Or, do we do you want to add anything else to that? No, I'm good. Um, let me ask you a couple more questions about the the age difference thing, and, and you know about because definitely a theme, you know, through through this and through the film is that you know it's like you just started this with your 40 years of climbing 513. So what is like uh, as you've you know learned about modern climbing from Jordan, like or you're hanging out in rifle today, like what annoys the shit out of you? About, I mean, because I, I like, you know, I have a pretty good age difference with a lot of the people in climbing now, and it, there's plenty of shit that annoys the shit out of me. So, uh, what do you got? You got anything um, where you are, are, are the Zen sayings like just keep you even keeled? Yeah, it really, there isn't really too much that no? annoys the shit out of me. Um, tunes? There's uh, way like the too many dogs at the cliff. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, but. There's way too many dogs at the cliff. People yelling beta from and, bottom and, to oh, top. Oh, God. Yelling beta constantly, never-endingly. It's like you are the only person here. You know, it's like no one else's experience matters. Why um, is that annoying? What? Because it's just never-ending. Well, it's not just yelling I mean, a couple beta. times. It's, it, it's like... Mostly it's been fine, but we've had a couple experiences where two people just went on continuously... For 20 minutes. What if it's confusing beta? Well, right, but I can't talk to Jordan. No, Mark, what if it takes I, I a think, long time to I describe? I think you could classify it more specifically as, like, flash beta. Flash beta. You know, where, oh. the, where the person is on this route for the first time, and their partner yeah, who's is yelling annoying. at them has climbed it, and they're giving them move for move yeah. the entire yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they don't know annoying. how to climb. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's what I, I. As soon as you started talking, that's that's what I heard in my head. Yeah. Not the like, oh, they fell off. Oh, and yeah. they're hanging there, and yeah. you're like, hey, yeah, just next time, like, try putting your no, left hand oh, no. there, it's right not hand. That at all. But it's right. the okay, left hand there. Good, good. Yeah, rest now. Right hand. Yeah. Under cling. Left a little bit more. A little more. A little more. A little more. Yeah. Like <laughs> starting from the bottom yeah, to the top. and never ending. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's yeah. annoying. It's like, well. I mean, there was this one girl I was going to say, hey, you know what, could you, I need to talk to my climber. I mean, I need to be able to communicate. You need to just like, if the guy's going to have to fall off, I'm sorry. But it is just, (laughs) you know, it's like, I am here also is the kind of thing. I don't really. I agree with that. I don't. It's sort of like, you know, like. It's also useless too, because you know, the climber isn't hearing what the person on the ground is yelling at them. Like they're probably just focused on the route. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like that. If someone's I, yelling beta at me, I don't hear. What I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't do that at all. Yeah, I yell Mark to like right hand up to the right, and he's like left hand like down here. <laughs> he's like what? <laughs> yeah. Other right. Yeah. Other hand. Yeah. yeah. Other right. Yeah. <laughs> Grab that crimp. I go. I'm not grabbing that crimp. No freaking way. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's sort of like it's sort of like what do you. You know, like, what do, uh, does the crowds on El Cap piss me off? Well, no. The routes that I do, nobody's on them. Right. You know, I mean, sure, free rider, sure, the nose. But, I mean, Jordan and I did the nose in a day a couple of years ago. We passed eight or nine parties. But, I mean, we passed them while they slept. You know, so it doesn't I mean, really... we dealt with a lot of people yeah. on the free rider. But... Yeah. 
Yeah, we dealt with a lot of people on Freerider. On our ascent, we barely dealt with anyone, really. I mean, we yeah. stayed ahead of the pack. And, right. You know, if you're... If you're one of those, if you're one of those teams that legitimately has a shot at freerider, you understand the give and take between the partners. Right. If you're one of those teams that just has no hope at all, you don't really understand that give and take. You know, those people don't tend to. So, you know, so we would just climb right over those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd just go, okay, just stay there and we'll be by you in 10 minutes. So, but those they don't bother me because I don't do those routes. Right. You know, I'm on to the I'm on to the the third tier of routes. So, you know, and then I don't I don't let shit bother me. I don't I I make it a point to be a happy guy. I let stuff know? bother me very very <laughs> well, easily. You do, you do. Yeah. No, I don't let shit. Well, bother okay. Me. We talked about. Sounds this. like you have some learning to do. I have so. a lot of learning to do for sure. <laughs> the I'm, master I'm still gonna, has to impart. I'm not going to deny that. I think. A realization I had the other day is like a lot of this, a lot of things that uh, I let bother me is because they're new things. It's like something that totally surprises me that something that somebody says. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think anybody would ever say something like that. But like Mark's older, he's lived life. He's probably heard a lot of people say those things. So he's just used to it and he can like not let it bother him anymore. Whereas me, I'm like young and naive and it's yeah, it's just surprising to me, and so I just like get baffled by that, and then I think about it forever. And if you find yourself getting angry at climbing, just get older. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 See, totally, no, no. Yeah, no, no pass. completely, absolutely. Mark, Mark is. Yeah, but that's not true. I mean, it's <laughs> true for you. He's yeah. not old enough yet. Oh, I'm a, no, it's true for him. But that's not the case with a lot of climbers getting older. <laughs> that's true. They just get more. Most of them that's get true. just more pissed. Yeah, more grumpy. My, yeah. my, you're, ex- you're ex- special. You're an exceptional. Uh, older climber, See, probably right. because you're still successful, and you're that's right. what the problem is with yeah. the other older climbers. Is as they grow less successful, they get more upset. Mark jokes that he's trying to teach me how to be old, though. I'm trying to teach him how to be an old guy. I, <laughs> it's no one's job to make you happy, no one at all. You know, it's only your job to make yourself happy. You know, Andrew, I'm sorry, but it's not Jen's job to make you happy. She can help. She, she, she can help. She definitely knows But that. at the end of the yeah. day, it's not their yeah. responsibility. But, but right. it's not their responsibility. I mean, me sitting here right now, I can't make you happy. I can't make you. I can't control your your emotions. This is where he does his you make mind happy. bending. I do my little Art. mind bending thing. I can't yeah. make you mad right now. I'm still pretty right. happy right now. See, okay. Okay. I didn't do that. But, you know, just so you know. <laughs> but it's just... So, so I just, every day I want to make myself happy and I don't let people get in my way of that. If someone wants to say, oh yeah, you just red pointed that route. Well, that thing's sort of soft. doesn't bother me a bit. I don't even fucking care, you know, cause yeah. I did it. I don't, I don't care what they thought that it was soft. Okay. Know? Well, hang on. You're sharing my, the thing that annoys me. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, all right. See how he's doing this right now? He's still teaching you. I know, yeah, he It's is. all happening all, right, all so the, the time. The, aside from, you know, not caring what people think, which is everybody can benefit from that, The that I think that's probably the second or maybe the more important lesson is, you know, taking responsibility for yourself and making yourself happy and not relying on other people. But, okay, can I say... <laughs> Can I talk about what has annoyed me in rifle so far? I told sure. Andrew, I told Andrew this the other day, and you, yes. you just you just hinted at it. Right. But okay, it's my first time in rifle. Okay, but I have still something to say on the rest All of right. this. All okay. right. Sorry. Go. 
Okay, well, it's my first climb, time climbing in rifle. And typically when I go to a new area, especially if it's a place as unique as here, as like I want to climb a bunch of routes of various styles and grades to try and get a feel for the place. And so that's what I've done. I've like started low and like worked my way up and just tried to do all the classic routes. And somebody, I guess, had heard that I was like ticking off some uh, some routes lately and she was kind of congratulating me but in like a really weird way and then said something like like oh like oh you're doing all the soft ones first huh and i was like i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. i didn't think of it like that i'm just climbing the routes i want to climb regardless of whether they're hard yeah. or soft or 512 or 513 that's a macro aggression right there I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, totally, totally that's a tip i i sorry a part of me tips the hat to her like that's a pretty fucking tight fucking burn to just drop into it. A- yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 I mean, it I may mean, or I may mean, not. My, my it, thought look. is just like, why say something like that? But there's okay, just, there's no point. So she said that, <laughs> and and the first thing I said, I said, low hanging fruit is still fruit. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's it's still it's still fruit. Exactly. You and know? she's imposing the idea that I'm like trying to climb softer routes to boost my ego or something yes exactly. but like no i'm just climbing these routes because or i want to climb in them. the park yeah it doesn't matter yeah so see okay i just don't like that i say i like climbing when i don't have to like talk to other people because then you don't get any comments like that right so <laughs> okay now i'm 64 years old okay so and and i'm tr- i'm teaching jordan to be an old man you know so me I have a long okay, so Jordan is 26 <laughs> years old. He's building his life. He's building who he is. He's deciding who he wants to be. He's yet to achieve things, okay? I'm 64 years old. I've built my life. I've been married. I've bought houses. I've bought land. I've built buildings. I've built businesses. I've put a daughter through college. I've built my life. I know who I am. Okay, I'm I'm confident in who I am. So so you can't say something like that to me and tear me down because I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am. I, I, I'm done building myself. And so so to me, I'm the happiest freaking guy in the whole park because I can do anything. I can say anything to anybody. As long, I'm not tearing anybody down, but it's just I have no ego. No one's competing with me. If you're a, if you're if you're in rifle right now and you're competing with sixty four year old sixty four year old me, you get a sad life. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, is this compete? helping you, Jordan? Um, yeah, but <laughs> a lot of times, <laughs> but he's not there yet. He still has forty years to go. You know, yeah, that's see, the thing. Sometimes it's frustrating to hang out with Mark because there's such a gap, and like I would like to have that kind of mentality about life that he has, but you know, you can't ignore the amount of time it took him to right yeah. develop that yeah. mentality yeah. at the yeah. same time. You can't ignore those forty years. But yeah, you're saying if people try and compare themselves to you. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're stupid for doing, for yeah, trying like, to really? do so. But people compare Mark and I all the time, you know, which kind of frustrates, <laughs> which kind of frustrates me. Like somebody came up to me, they're like, Jordan, you know, you climbing, free climbing El Cap in a day is pretty cool, but Mark jugging it in a day is so much cooler. I was like, thanks, man. <laughs> people really have your number. Oh, no, they really do. These burns are like, <laughs> it's like they're premeditated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, when I saw today or no, on Saturday, when I saw you walking up, I was just like, that's Mark fucking Hudon. 
That's what I was like. I almost like looked around like, do people know who yeah. this cat is? <laughs> like that's honestly, I, I'm like, you, you know, when we met and did the first podcast yeah, yeah. and totally years before that, someone was like, who do you want to interview? You know, who's, and that was like, I'd done like 10 interviews at that point. And they're like, who's dream interview? Oh, it was in that article actually yeah, yeah, in yeah, Rocket yeah, Eyes. Yeah, I said, yeah. you know, I said, uh, Max Jones and Mark Hudon, like those yeah. guys, yeah. they have to be, be on the list, man. Yeah. Can I share something about that actually? Cause when, when we first started climbing together, you know, we, uh, I, I don't even know when it was two years ago now, I guess the start of like our big road trip leading up to the free rider, unless, you know, unless it was somebody like you older climber or somebody who appreciates history a little bit more like nobody my age knew who mark was you know and i was getting a lot of people being like who who are you climbing with what are you doing like why are you hanging out with this old guy and i'm like what no it's mark like it's awesome this is gonna be sick and i started to get a little self-conscious about it because i had kind of like made this big plan and i was like man i'm gonna feel really bad if like people don't you know validate my desire or you know reasons for wanting to climb with mark and so that was it before kinda, you had climbed in rifle and you realized that those reasons can just be invalidated for any reason <laughs> yeah, that's true at the drop of hat. that's true i guess well, i had just signed with arcteryx and i was like man are they gonna are they gonna like be like what is jordan doing with this climb with this old guy i was afraid that they weren't gonna appreciate it you know um and so i kind of it kind of ins like encouraged me to like try and share Mark's story and make people realize or see him the way I saw him as, you know, a really rad older climber. And then obviously that's taken off to the point where, yeah, Mark, Mark, gets, now he's jealous Mark, gets, Mark gets all the love. <laughs> <laughs> it really came back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> also, do you know how many what have people you created? Dude, I mean, at the end of the day, it makes me happy because it means that I succeeded, that everybody now sees Mark the way I saw him initially. So, but it's a Frankenstein. It is. And you know <laughs> yeah. how many, you know how many, um, older climbers have asked me to take them up stuff, particularly El Cap. Oh, we've joked that I need to start like some kind of website catering, you know, <laughs> advertising my, advertising my, uh, my services. <laughs> The the most expensive one of which would be to travel and climb with me for a year. I help you climb El Cap, and then a movie gets made about you. <laughs> yeah, for like a million dollars. And they get it. They get it. Yeah, the get price an Instagram is to buy me a Sprinter van. They get yeah. an Instagram. Oh, dude, yeah, they get it. They get temporary Instagram fame. <laughs> oh man, these you old know. guys have a lot of money. Go way way bigger than yeah, a Sprinter van, dude. I know. Yeah, Rand, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a million. Randy Levitz encouraged me start. to try and find a sugar daddy, basically the same thing like Mark, <laughs> except someone with money. <laughs> Basically the same thing with Mark, except they pay me to take them climbing. <laughs> I know, Mark. God, you got all this for free. Well, it's terrible. I don't know. Wait another 10 years. Maybe Levitt will be your guy. <laughs> Dude, okay. So hang on. That's the other thing is that he people might be don't... too old. Jordan might be too old at that yeah, point. By that time, yeah. Yeah, he'll be looking for a younger yeah. model. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is I had... Okay, because I, I climbed the free rider for the first time like four years ago i think and um afterwards i was like man you know and i i was pretty good friends with peter croft at the time who's 61 or two now two. and still climbing really hard and i was like man peter is an old school climber still climbing really hard like why have and you know tom herbert was another good friend randy levitt was a good friend i was like man there are all these rad older climbers who still climb really well but none of them have tried to free climb el cap 
And so I kind of had that idea. It's like, man, that'd be so cool to see them come back, you know, and get something like that so done. So you thought of that age. idea even before you had met Mark? I did, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and I had uh, I had talked to Randy about it. I even did a few missions on, on El Cap with Randy, and he was uh, ultimately not into it for the amount of time it would take him away from Mexico and his wife. And then just the crowds in El Cap. I talked to Peter about it. We had talked about trying to free climb El Cap in a day. I talked to Tom Herbert. He wasn't too interested in it. And, and then, those guys and, are you know, far, far so Mark, better free climbers You were the fourth, you were the than fourth choice. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Drag, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, the of the in a way, he's the <laughs> yeah. best choice, yeah. you know, because yeah. I think it's so cool. Like you were saying, when I was born, El Cap had already been free climbed. Yeah. And there are all these routes and it's yeah. been free climbed in a day and all that stuff. Yeah. But, and you know, through me getting into climbing and learning about how it's evolved, you know, I've, I've come to understand the significance of, you know, people like Max and Mark and their actions and how it's changed the sport and how I've benefited from it. And so I thought it was weird. I was like, man, I have Mark and Max, for example, um, can be pointed out as these people who started a free climbing movement on El Cap, right? That I benefited from. And I have free climbed El Cap and they have not. And I was like, that seems weird given that mm -hmm. Mark is still climbing, you know? And so I was like, dude, that feels wrong, you know? And so I, well, the and, fact and, that I had known that he had tried, I was like, oh right. man, when I meet Mark, I'm going to tell yeah. him he should go back to the free rider and I'll be his guy. That's such know? a wonderful idea. I really like that. And and that's, I mean, you and Max were just ahead of your time. It, it, like, yeah, you were unlucky in a way because you, had you been at the height of your powers, you know, 20 years later, you yeah. certainly would have free climbed El Cap. Exactly. Well, and so they know. don't get to benefit from it in the same way, which I think is a shame. And so, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I got one of them to try. And I think Mark was, the you know, ultimately the best one. Well, just, you know, Max is a good, is, is a good climber, but it's just, I just... No, just in the sense of your personal history. Yeah, yeah, route, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... Randy and Tom and Peter, none of them had anything to do with it's the South. I mean, it's so, I mean, those guys are far, far better climbers than I am. But people don't, people underestimate desire. You know, like I wanted it more than them. I mean, I guarantee you, I mean, I, you know, I know all those guys, they're good friends of mine. We could walk up tomorrow and say, hey, do you really want to free climb El Cap? And they would go, no. You know, I mean, do you understand that it's the desire that uh, to free climb El Cap that got me up El Cap, even though you guys are far better rock climbers than I am? And I guarantee you, they would say, oh, yeah, completely understand that. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's that desire. And Mark, you know? ultimately, that's why I think we work so well together is that even in your old age, you have pretty much the same amount of desire yes, as I yes, do. Yes, I do. Yes. And, well, and yeah. I, on, I have a lot of desire. I don't know about as much as you, but anyway, yes. Yeah, you still have a lot. Yes. But talking about, yeah, talking about Peter. <laughs> what are you laughing at there, Chris? <laughs> you guys are so cute. I just love it. You're like, no, you have more. No, you do. Okay, I do. You're right. <laughs> okay, well, I think Mark's a great climber, but he's totally right. Peter and Tom and Randy are all better climbers than he is. But a lot of them, you know, don't have the time or the freedom or ultimately the desire to, to commit as much time as Mark did specifically to try and climb yeah. a free rider. I've always said there are many, many climbers that are stronger than me, that have more technique than me, but there's very few that have more desire than me. That's been 
I would have said that back in 1979, and I'll say that right now today. Can't get enough of the runout, you say? Well, now there's a way to double your runout runtime. Become a Rope Gun by supporting us on Patreon, and you'll receive additional episodes and other bonus content, such as Q&As, op-eds, and Ask Me Anythings. If you feel like your climbing media is getting too watered down and safe, you're not alone. We need more independent, original voices in climbing because this is how we can keep the soul of our sport alive. That's our goal, and that's why we need your help. Please head over to patreon.com slash runoutpodcast and become a rope gun today. Remember, you're not here to clip bolts and fiddle around with gear. You're here to send. You are a rope gun. Again, that's patreon.com slash runoutpodcast. On today's final bit, Jonathan Segris recounts his harrowing mountain biking accident that occurred just days after coming on the runout. Though J-Star is firmly on the mend, we still wish him well and toast to a full recovery for one of climbing's best. So, seems as good a time as any to talk a bit about my little little accident that I had here a couple weeks ago. I just stepped out of the physical therapist's office. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, a couple days or maybe the following day after I spoke with Andrew and uh, Chris Calouse for the podcast... I came over to Boulder to visit with my parents for a bit and um, I wanted to ride the Valmont bike park. I I had ridden it when it was first built many years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I used to race mountain bikes before I started climbing, um, but I hadn't been back since then. So I was pretty eager to, to have a look and check it out. And um, I was feeling pretty confident about my, about my skills as of late, been ripping pretty hard on the mountain bike. So yeah, I went into the park eager some might say overstoker even and uh you know i wish that i could say it was like some kind of freak accident or you know i was doing everything right and just went wrong but you know that's not the case i uh i i made all the mistakes i didn't know the the uh i didn't know the park at all I hadn't been there like i said for decades i hadn't really warmed up i hadn't really scoped the line you know, I was like kind of in a hurry because there was like three dozen 10 year old kids trying to, trying to steal my thunder. And, uh, yeah, I went for it. I went, I went over Stoker. I went way too big and kind of overshot this, this jump, this double that I was trying and just landed straight in the flat, nose heavy, came in hot to my face and my shoulder and, separated my AC joint in my shoulder, uh, dislocated rib, got cuts all over my body, got a severe concussion. It was not my finest moment. And none of the 10-year-old kids came to help me, by the way. None of them. So I I hobbled my way off of the the bike park and uh, escaped from the maze of jumps and found myself at the uh boulder hospital not far away actually a good buddy of mine gave me a ride thank god but but yeah it's been uh it's been quite the process definitely the worst um injury that i've ever endured in my uh climbing life um but you know things are going really good so far i've got a great pt here in boulder um 
got a great massage therapist and good family and friends and girlfriend around me to help to help lift water up to my face. I'm a bit like Donald Trump now. I can't even give myself drinks. In, in all honesty, um, I'm healing up really well. Yesterday, I went to the climbing gym and top ropes and 12 minus, dude. So watch out, whippersnappers. I'm coming back stronger than ever. You've just completed another episode of The Runout, a podcast from the sharp end of climbing. I'm Andrew Bisharat, and I run Evening Sends, the only climbing website on the internet. And I'm Chris Kalous, host of the Enormacast, the only other climbing podcast. Please leave a review of our show on iTunes, share an episode with your friends, and follow us on social media. We should be fairly easy to find. Drop us a line, let us know what you think. My email is andrew at runoutpodcast.com. And my email is chris at runoutpodcast.com. And also, please support our show. Go to patreon.com slash runoutpodcast and become a rope gun today.